Are we live? Are we doing this? Are we going? Oh my gosh, that's right. Okay, so. <laughs> um, oh, nah, I had a whole like sentence like practiced out or thought out. Did I, did I, did um, I screw up your mojo? No, we no. Can, we can call it the cold No, open. I was thinking about it earlier and I didn't remember it. I thought of it like yesterday. I was ready. But something that, do you have anything or is there anything that you just like, you refuse to try but the world makes you think is probably going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am, I mean, I will only... It, are, are, what, 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 okay, okay, okay. what sort of thing are you talking about? Are you talking about like TV shows, like media? Are you talking about food? Are you talking about talking general about, life experience? I'm talking about Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> I have been, I'm 36 years old. Yeah. I have spent my life knowing that you don't do Crocs. I mean, Crocs aren't even that old, right? Sure. It seems like, like the last 15 years. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. But, like, you don't do Crocs. You don't do Crocs. However. However. Everyone that I know that has crossed that threshold and tried Crocs. Right. Loves them. I've heard this, too. And especially, like, service workers, people who are on their feet all day. Uh-huh. You know? And they're just like, I could not live without my Crocs. Right. And they say it's like they're like super comfy shoes. And you're like, what about the plastic on your feet? <laughs> about that part? And like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could ever do it. I don't. I don't think I could ever do That's it. That's my thing. Is mm-hmm. like, I'm curious, but I don't, I'm not curious enough. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I I felt the same way about UGGs. Mm. And then my wife got me a pair of UGGs. Mm-hmm. You cross the Rubicon there, and oh my, and they're they're <sighs> the feeling you get from wearing like brand new socks. Okay, like walking on clouds. Yeah, Uggs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Every time you put them on, mm. <laughs> to the point where like I have this like stigma inside my own head that I have to have clean feet in order to wear my Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. My problem, my problem with a lot of these things is I, I have just, like, specifically sweaty feet. Oh. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, like, it makes all sorts of, like... Like, I, I had to stop wearing, like, cushy socks. Because mm. it just, like... It, it overheats? It, it, it mm, kind of, like, squishy. Ew. Yeah. Ew. I'd, Interesting. Yeah, thin socks are, are the way to go for me now. Wow. One of those things took me a long, way too long in life to figure it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was white Costco crew socks for easily the first 25 years of my life. Mm. And then just, you know, circumstances forced me to change. And I found an entire world waiting for me. <laughs> right? But so like, <laughs> is so that crocs. what it's like with Crocs? Is that what it's like? Well, it's the same sweaty feet thing that makes me specifically. But like, you just wear Crocs with socks. Oh. Do you like you could? Oh. <laughs> like if if the complaint is if I want to the be plastic, European about it. Right? But yeah. if the complaint is plastic on your feet, then you just put some cloth in between. Hmm. Cause that doesn't remove from the comfort of a shoe. I feel like I'm gonna have to be a lot older for this. <laughs> 
right? I just, uh, <laughs> I just Crocs. They fucking they come up every once in a while. I made a tweet about it. I've made a status about it relatively recently. It's just one of my favorite streamers was bragging about the new pair of Crocs that she just bought, literally last week. Uh, there's also an element of like being considering myself a nerdy guy, right? In a lot of ways, uh-huh. there are certain like I, I find myself particularly like conscious of like oh I want to be like a little more put together. I want to be a little you know I don't I want to I want to be just a little more conscious of my appearance than I would otherwise, uh-huh. just because I don't want to I don't want to step into that stereotype i want i want to go to my magic the gathering tournament and not have my butt crack showing yes yeah you're right 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 <laughs> but is i don't know why but crocs 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 fall under the butt crack showing like yes. umbrella yeah your toe butt crack is showing right yeah yeah i don't know man <laughs> every just I've seen it so much, and yeah. it's still a thing all these years later. That I'm like, is there, is there, there's a reason, there, right? They found religion, <sighs> and I'm I'm just gonna be the non-believer, you know, right in the shadows. I'm the down to be the non-believer, but like, it's always gonna be in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Was I was I missing out this whole time? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, speaking of propriety, I also have. Oh, should I, should I start the show and then? Should we start the show? Okay, let's start the show. Let's start the show. <laughs> podcast called Hyped in Superpower, where we talk about things that we're hyped on, comic books, specifically at least in this episode, and just about every episode so far. Pretty much. Pretty much. And continuing our obnoxiously completionist runs of Will's got current 616 Marvel, and I am slogging through 90s X-Men comics. Will, what did you read this week? What did I read this week? I'll tell you. Okay, so... Mighty Valkyries is a book that I read on my on the plane to New York, but I had sent it back in the UPS box, ah. um, and so it wasn't here by the time we did our next pod. Sure. So I have that to review for, for this episode. And then this week, I actually read Web of Spider-Man, Silk Threats and Menaces, Silk Volume 1, and Black Knight, and... Really surprised about Black Knight. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about <laughs> literally ended last episode complaining about having to read Black Knight. And good old Dane Whitman pulled it through. Dane Whitman. It's weird because it feels like they're actually like exploring the mythos of Black Knight and like making it work. Mm. And I say feels like because He's been an inactive member of the Avengers for the last 20 years so of reading. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't see him yeah. ever. Yeah. And so I don't know if there has been enough stuff explored or established mm-hmm. in the past. But, like, I feel like 
80s and 90s don't spend much time doing backstory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably not missing out on too much. Okay. I do know of like a few historical Black Knights. Yeah. For some reason, the name Sir Percy of Scandia. Yeah, he was, he was the first Black Knight. Uh-huh. And his spirit has basically followed the ebony blade. Okay, sure. He's also King Arthur's cousin. Okay. So I re- was that sorry was that everything you that read? was it yeah. okay uh, <laughs> I read a few issues of Wolverine plus a Wolverine special like mini graphic novel called Black Rio I read six issues of Generation X plus the annual mm-hmm. I read a short miniseries called X Men Liberators and an issue of X Men Unlimited X Men Unlimited twenty two there was an unlimited. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. They just announced a new X-Men team on Marvel Strike Force. Oh. So they've done Uncanny X-Men if they've done Astonishing X-Men. Oh. And this new team is Unlimited X-Men. Well, Unlimited, at least here, and usually over the course of the title's history, isn't a specific team. It's just like random stories that don't fit in with anything else. Yeah, that checks out because yeah. the three members that they're doing <laughs> random members that don't fit with anyone else. Gambit, okay. Phantom X, Dazzler. That's pretty random. That is incredibly random. Yeah. There is no reason for them to be what it, whatever it is what it is. I just I, I would have thought they would have done Extreme X-Men or Oof, please no. Like <laughs> or I would have preferred having, like, Excalibur. Yeah. Because Psylocke doesn't have a home on Uncanny or Astonishing. Right. And so if they'd done Excalibur, they could do Psylocke. And she wasn't classic Excalibur. She's current Excalibur. I know, but they do that all the time. Oh, They have X-Factor where they've got got Shatterstar and Longshot, but then also Polaris. Uh Uh-huh. And Multiple Man. Yeah. But, like, two different time time frames. So, like, that's just kind of their thing. Sure. They also did it with Young Avengers. They mi- whatever. It's not not a game. <laughs> okay. things. It's a game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, can I tell my story time real quick? Story time. So I was on the plane to get here in Santa Barbara. Oh, by the way, we're not recording via the miracles of modern technology. We are once again in the same place. We are. I'm in Santa Barbara, California, right now. Welcome I guess back. Technically, Galita, uh, here for a work thing. So I was telling you about the flights over and how crazy hectic they were. My first flight barely made it on, and then we were stuck on the tarmac for an hour. So, you know, we're an hour late plus getting into Denver, and I'm on, I'm in the very last row of the entire plane. And I'm, you know, it's me and the bathrooms and and the flight attendants, and that's it. And by the time we land, my next flight is already scheduled to start boarding. I'm just, I'm fucking sweating. And there's a a woman, like an older, I, I hate to be, you know, like do the generationalist thing, but you know, like a baby boomer mm. age woman in the row in front of me. And she's just like grousing and complaining. She's like, let us off. It's as if there's anything you can do right. in this situation to make anything any better for you. And then she, like, you know, kind of elbows past me and, and goes to talk to the flight attendants. And she's like, could you please at least just make an announcement that the people who have a connecting flight get off for, you know, just like, just all, you know, 
Just being uh, obnoxious. Just being obnoxious. And, like, clearly everyone, like, everyone who doesn't have a play. There's so many more people than I've ever seen sitting down. You know, oh, in a plane. In a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like waiting for other people to get off. Like they already made an announcement that there are 72 people on this plane with connecting flights. Denver's a big hub. And so it's taking a long time for us to get off this plane. But like, obviously. And we're in the last row. We bought the cheap seats. Yeah. We know what we signed up for. Seriously. <laughs> and so she's, I get my bag and I stand up and she, um, She's like, oh, excuse me, can I get past you again? And, you know, despite my, like, history of protesting and, you know, like, speaking up for things within a group, I am generally not a confrontational person one-on-one. It's not my vibe. That's not who I am. It's not what I do. But I said to her, like, she's like, can I get past you again? And I said are you going to be rude to our flight attendants again? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just one of those things that gets my goat. Like, it's like, if, if there are people I get it. <laughs> who have a job where, like, they're, they're just the, the public face of you just being angry mm-hmm. at something that they can't control mm-hmm. that they have nothing to do with and they're just there to absorb all of your negative emotions like give these people a break yeah and so we had a little bit of a back and forth and she tried staring me down and it was you know i tried to be very calm and patient and reasonable with her and you know, I have a connecting flight too. It's already started boarding. We're all sweating here. So that was my that was my Damn. story. I Damn, know. dude. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> Whoo! Well done. Thank you. Man, I hope I hope she tells that story. <laughs> like I will say, she was there with somebody else. She had a friend with her. Friend was not backing her up. Friend. <laughs> Friend was not going to bat for her. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, boy. Should we... Uh, yeah, let's talk about some comic books. Should we comic book? Start us off. You starting off with uh, Valkyrie? Yeah, the Mighty Valkyries. So, admittedly... So, there's one thing that stood out from Mighty Valkyries that I was looking forward to talking about. Sure. But it stood out so much that I forgot the entire rest of the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But basically, it it's telling three stories. It's written by Jason Aaron, so he's going to oh. go ham anyway. Hell yeah. So it's three stories. One involves Carnilla, who is the other queen of hell right now. She and Hela are married. They are both queens. And Carnilla wants children, basically. Okay. So goes down that path, which it has some serious Scarlet Witch vibes. Oh. We'll get into in a second. Okay. Um, and then it's called the Mighty Valkyries, and so the other two stories follow new Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, that we got introduced to in King and Black, and then Jane Foster Fal- Valkyrie doing Valkyrie stuff. So the reason why I say we get some Scarlet Witch vibes is because Carnilla legitimately steals three unborn triplets from a pregnant woman. Hmm. And 
wants to raise these three kids as her own. Okay. So, for those who don't know, <laughs> uh, and in case you guys have only seen WandaVision, the plot where Wanda wanted to have kids with Vision is from the comics, but in the comics, she borrowed two souls from Mephisto. <laughs> and I mean, this is what the... <laughs> The retcons ended up yes. placing it yes. as. So she basically, she in universe, she, she borrowed two souls from something from somewhere yeah. and put them into her two children, Tommy and Billy. And then the demon that she borrowed them from was like, hey, I want them back. And so they took them back. She had a mental break. They tried to make her forget. She started to remember. It was a whole thing. It, it ended with... A breakdown in her erasing the mutant gene from and also killing the half entire populace. And roster. during well, yeah. So during her breakdown, she killed off Hawkeye. She destroyed Vision. She recreated the Kree Scroll invasion. She, <laughs> she reanimated the Jack of Hearts and exploded him. Exploded him Nobody at cares. the mansion. Uh, You're so like, oh, Jack of Hearts. Almost I killed, think I remember you. Almost killed Scott Lang. Like it was yeah. it was a thing. But it culminated the the like piece of resistance of of Wanda's mental breakdown is wiping out all mutants on Earth except for 198 of them. Yeah. Anyway, in this story, Carnella peacefully, quote unquote, takes these three babies from this pregnant woman. So she's having a hard time, but the rest <laughs> of the world isn't falling apart. So <laughs> She makes a, <laughs> she makes a deal with Loki, and there's like this cow of life involved. It's a Norse thing. I yeah, yeah, that, that's part of the Norse creation myth. Yeah, yeah. So the river of life is running again, thanks to Carnilla's dealings with both Loki and the Fates. Okay. She's hanging out with the cow. The cow is helping her raise these three children. By the end of the story, they're like toddler age okay. like they can speak but they are very much attached to their mother's hip sure and that's kind of that okay. other stuff tends to happen but it is what it is Jane Foster gets involved because while all that Carnilla Loki stuff is happening <laughs> Loki's grandkids get released and Loki's so Loki has three children okay Hela yeah Fenrir, yeah, and I think Jorgen Mander, the World Serpent, yeah. But Fen- Fenrir or Fenris, Fenrir, I think, yeah, is the world-eating wolf. And in right. Ragnarok, yep, he gets out and eats the world, eats yep. Midgard. Yep. So Fenrir has two children, two souls in one body. Oh, interesting. That person gets out. Huh. It's a man that turns into a wolf. Two souls. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, so his name, he's the Manigarmer. Love these Norse names. Yeah. He is Hati. He is Skull. The grandkids' names are Hati and Skull. Okay. But his body, whatever. Sure. So, when he was born, Uh he was imprisoned by Loki. Okay. So he just wants to get out. Uh And they have this really interesting conversation. So... After so he doesn't want to kill people. He just wants to be left alone. But Loki, but he also has a grudge against Loki, so he wants to just like really hurt Loki, and that's how Valkyrie gets involved because people are getting hurt. So they have a conversation where he says, 
Tell me, Valkyrie, how big would a prison need to be for the prisoner to no longer crave freedom? And she says, what do you mean? Says, I mean, if you close down Manhattan, everyone had everything they needed, but no one could leave. Would you feel trapped? She said, I don't know. Probably. She said, okay. So say your prison was America. Then most people do not leave the country anyway. Would you still feel trapped? Mm. And it's kind of like this. Bigger cages, longer chains. Right. So he talks about how he was imprisoned when he was a pup. No room to move. But he wouldn't have known better, but Loki always made sure he knew that he was in a prison. Mm. Loki always told him, there's a world outside that you are missing out on. Mm. And so, like, that kind of just raises this question of, if something external, like, if an alien came down and told humans, we can't leave Earth anymore, we're no longer allowed, would that get us to, like... Try to leave the Earth. <laughs> start a space program yeah. in earnest. And, that, like, that's not called the Space Force, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It was, it was, it's a, it, I thought it was kind of an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Of just kind of, like. Understanding your the limits to your own freedom that you right. haven't ever tested. Like Truman Show. Yeah. Truman Show lived his life. He was perfectly happy. And then the, like. Star lights started to fall and things started to crack and then the actors started to actually fall for him and started to break down the wall of his world that he was living in. And that's when he wanted to leave. I had a friend, you know, in the political organizing world who in in the context of politics called this the men with guns conversation. Mm -hmm. You sit down with someone, you ask, you know, what do you want? What are your dreams? What, what, you know? What's holding you back from them, et cetera, et cetera. What, happen, what would happen if you tried to do this? What would happen if you pursued that? You go on and on and on until inevitably the answer is, well, men with guns would come. <laughs> and they would shoot me. <laughs> or they would threaten to shoot me. Right. And that's what would stop me, you know? Mm. And, and there's, we, we understand the limits of what's possible even when we don't test them. Because there is a chain of consequences that leads to the ultimate, the, 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 the lack of our freedom might be 10 or 15 steps down the line, you know, where, where we're actually physically being, you know, repressed, mm-hmm. being stopped. But the effect of where we stop trying to push it or stop pursuing happens way before that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, so that, that's. Like a self-imposed quote-unquote prison. Right. Anyway, yeah, I just I I yeah. I, uh, I liked the conversation because so to continue the like storyline, Jane doesn't have an answer because mm. I don't know if there is one. But it's just yeah. like you know, what do you do when you're told you're in a prison? Mm-hmm. At what point do you say f this? I'm breaking out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I guess there was kind of a, an experiment about that with COVID. When COVID <laughs> first hit, yeah, people were very good about staying in their little prisons. Right. And then as time went on, people were like, nah, this isn't my prison anymore. I'm, I <laughs> cannot do this shit anymore. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Some people, I feel like, didn't give it much of a try to begin with. but That's also true. <laughs> but yeah, big yeah. picture. Big picture. Yeah, so that was an interesting convo. Yeah. And that's what stood out to me. It was just like when you start speaking in like 
concepts <laughs> <laughs> in comics. That's when, that's that's when I get super excited. Yeah. Also, Craven gets involved. Yeah, I saw his his mug there. Yeah. So Craven is hunting, no, whatever his name is. Okay. Fenrir's sure children. Sure. (laughs) Children in one body. (laughs) And so you know that's just kind of it checks out. Okay. Uh, But it's also this is not the Craven that everyone thinks of. This is Craven's son Mm. who earned the title of Craven because the eighty three Craven clones. He's a survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And then Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. Her story is going and finding her name. Mm. She doesn't remember it. Okay. Is Um, it Tessa Thompson? It's not. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she goes to this planet where there's a, like, one of those, I have all the answers, soothsayer, sees the future, sees all possibilities mm. type persons. Mm-hmm. And the planet's entire, like, society revolves around this, like, magnanimous, untouchable, all-knowing being yeah and so like you have to apply or like buy your way into a spot and blah 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 blah. yeah anyway valkyrie goes and and gets an audience asks what is my name and turns out her name is runa Mm. but the u has a line over it i don't know how to pronounce fucking diacritics (laughs) love me some norse ass diacritics yeah so I just know that's that she's Runa with the with a with a line. I'm just gonna call her Runa. Sure, but I'll, it's also I might end up just calling her Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. Totally fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for me to learn Brunhilda and. Uh-huh. Jane Foster became the Valkyrie, and Danny Moonstar became the Valkyrie, but they already had names from before that. Sure. So, so there isn't anyone who's just plain Valkyrie. Yeah. So she can still be plain Valkyrie in my head. Mm-hmm. It is disrespectful to the name that she finally got, but uh, it's it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so her story consists of getting that guy out because he didn't. He became a prisoner of that planet, and he wanted to leave, and so there's like chases and stuff mm-hmm. and then jane's story ends up crossing with carnilla and hella's because loki was working with carnilla to get the pieces that she need in order to raise these three children and part of the deal was that valkyrie would protect her children okay and jane foster doesn't know this but loki agreed to it and so via the fates mm. jane will Try to protect these children. Okay. Hella spends time trying to figure out where Carnilla is, finds them, and hell with one L breaks loose. So <laughs> they are in an un like a random part of Helheim. Okay. Which is, you know, the the realm yes. that uh Hella resides over. Carnilla gets stabbed. Skeletons show up. A bone dragon shows up. Okay. And the bone dragon tells Hela that she's not worthy of being the queen of hell anymore. Mm. This is a big bone dragon. Bone dragon. (laughs) Bone dragon's like 
the size of a building. Sure. Yeah. So he's a large. Massive. He's a large boy. Yeah. I forget that you're sitting right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. That that's that's Bone Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Bone Daddy. Yeah. In in him. this, you know, the, these people are flying along, and they're the size of a tooth, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So oh, fight and other stuff happens. Oh yeah, grandson gets involved mm. and eats the dragon. <laughs> he gets he gets even bigger. Holy he, shit! Yeah, he gets Ragnarok big, and like eats the entire mountain and dragon and ground. <laughs> <laughs> he gets Ragnarok swole. Yeah, <laughs> spits up the people who are named characters. <laughs> spits Loki really far away. The children get returned to the mother, the, the birth mother. I think Carnilla's dying. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And Runa is back from her quest. Okay. I don't know where we leave the grandkids. I think just in Helheim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, he's fallen for Jane. Because hmm. why wouldn't you when you have a storyline involving <laughs> the gender that you are attracted to? Um, so, <laughs> so that's that. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't amazing. I just really liked the conversation about freedom. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna keep Black Knight for last. Okay. Silk is next. Yes. So I believe this is the first time we've really spent time talking about Silk. Okay. So her name is Cindy Moon. Right. She got bit by the same spider as Pete. Right. Back in you know tw- twelve years High ago. School. Yeah. She so she has the same powers as Pete. Okay. So the reason why we didn't know who Silk was until recently is because by getting the fact that she got bit by the same spider made her a second spider totem in this plane. And Ezekiel, who was the previous spider totem before Pete, took her away and hid her away in a bunker that that's like blocks all signals, mystical and otherwise. Sure, of course. (laughs) In a vault. (laughs) And so she spends the next 10 years in this vault. Yeah. One of those explanations that has to be so over the top in Marvel Universe because why didn't well why didn't this power that power okay just fucking shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah that vault ends up getting used multiple times throughout the years the last time we've seen it used is that's where Dylan Eddie Brock's son was locked up during Uh King and Black oh yeah so that Null couldn't find him Mm -hmm. and then so Cindy Moon also she shoots webs out of her fingertips mm, mm-hmm. but like you never see like a hole in her fingers they just kind of like grow out of her fingers mm. the the look is always kind of weird it just kind of like bleeds out it's kind yeah. of odd but so she has organic webbing her suit is made out of her webs mm. so like she can like control the look That's of cool. the webs which is kind of cool yeah and so she basically has mm. like Sailor Moon transformations. <laughs> when it's time to silk up, she just does one of those, like, you start at your, hand, up to uh-huh. your feet and you just kind of draw your hands up. And she's real magical girl anime. Yeah. yeah. That's entertaining. Yeah. So she's, this is her second solo title. Mm. 
I guess third. She had a one-shot introducing her and then two volumes of a solo title later. And those involved finding her parents and finding her brother. Their parents are locked away or in another dimension. I don't remember if they <laughs> survived that storyline. Okay. But she's, lived, she's now living with her brother who they rescued from the other dimension. <laughs> um, <laughs> he knows that she is Silk. And yeah, that's Cindy Moon. Oh, also, because she is like this like shared spider totem with Pete, when they're within proximity of each other, their spider senses just like go off and they cannot control themselves and they hook up. Oh. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was explored when they first introduced Cindy. <laughs> they just they dropped everything and really... started making out. Well, yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> they just trail off mid-sentence and start kissing kind of a thing. Wow. And that has only happened a few times. And the only times we've seen them since have been like, let me call the web warriors Okay. Or, or like the the warriors. <laughs> and let's keep our distance. <laughs> yeah, but so so like when she gets pulled in to do the stuff with like Kindred and all that, sure. they ignore that part because she's a cameo appearance to get the story going. Right. So and Mary Jane's in that story. <laughs> sure, but like it, it's it's like it's a carnal natural instinct right. that they like their brains shut off. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. <sighs> <laughs> they don't talk about it in this, but yeah. like they deal with it because she's still friends with them, and so they just text now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's no there's no scenes where they're in the same room together. Okay. I only bring that up because I don't know if they're still running with that or not. Sure, if they're writing that out. That seems a little inopportune. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Especially if Pete's gonna try to propose to Mary Jane. Right? But I don't know. She, Jane, Mary Jane knows this situation, so like, okay. uh, whatever. Not <laughs> not the situation of the spider totem stuff, but like, she knows who Silk is. She knows who Pete is. Like, uh, I feel okay. like you could explain it, but it'd still be kind of weird. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the story is kind of a non-starter, but you basically have think of if Jeff Bezos had. A daughter. Sorry. No, not it's not Jeff Bezos thing. That was more of a rocks on rocks <laughs> app. But this was okay. The okay. the tech company was Radio Shack. To the point where so like there was a time like twenty five years ago when Radio Shack was a household name. Sure. Yeah. Right? If you needed something tech, if you needed a VCR, you were gonna go to Radio Shack. Yeah, if you need a random or, connector from one thing to the other to make your doohickey uh-huh. connect to your Who's a mullet's it? You get a radio, radio show. Yeah. Yeah. So the CEO of of six one six's Radio Shack mm. has shifted, and instead of falling to obscurity and, and obsolescence, clo- and yeah, obsolescence, they have shifted their tech focus and is a new like rising star in the tech community again. Okay. So the owner. Is, is this lady? She's Korean. Her daughter is poised to take over as CEO, and she's going to retire. Okay. That woman uh, doesn't really matter <laughs> what her name is, but she is poised. She's positioned to. Uh, she's the face of the company now. Okay. And 
she ends up making a deal with a cat demon. Oh. Uh, to she hires a cat demon to take out some local gangs to become basically kind of like the crime lord of this borough. Sure. Like you do. Like you do. And turns out the reason why that is is because we find out that her father is Silvermane. Oh. <laughs> so Okay. So she's inheriting the tech from her mom's side and she's inheriting the like goon gangster yeah. drive of Silvermane. Uh-huh. They don't explain it, but she has like technokinesis kind of. Hmm. Her eyes go like they they glow and then mm-hmm. she can like control tech. Oh. But she still uses she sometimes she uses her phone as a remote, sometimes she doesn't. It's not a very well written <laughs> story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the cat demon has been using the souls of the people that it's killed to summon its own demon that's gonna take over the world. Okay. So because she got double crossed, she and she knows she uses tech to figure out who Silk is. So she knows Cindy Moon is Silk. Okay. And so she goes to Silk and is like, "Hey, I've been double crossed. How about a team up?" Okay. She's like, "Fine." <laughs> so they team up to go and fight the cat demon, which look it just looks like a tall cat, <laughs> and like the blood demon, the soul demon, sure thing. It's. Good guys win, sure. bad guys die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. And, and oh, and sh- her, the brother is a psychiatrist, and that really doesn't have anything to do with anything. It was a side plot that was revealed and used literally in this volume and then got and then ended. So. Is this is this a ongoing series? Is this the first Unfortunately. Volume? Okay. It's written by Goo. Okay. <laughs> the person's last name is Goo. Maureen Goo. Cool. It's not well written to the point where in the second volume, after Silk sees this cat demon, she has a conversation with herself, like a little speech bubble of like, I've gotta find I have to try to track, what is its name? Kasha. Oh, Fujinet is the name of the uh, Radio Shack, by the way. Okay. Okay, so we're in issue three. Okay. Like the third page. Sure. Silk says, I can't let Kasha hurt anyone else. So she knows the name of the cat demon. Okay. It's Kasha. We get to issue five at the end, and... The girl's like, uh, Kasha betrayed me. And she says, who? Uh. Because we don't... So I've turned right to it. She's like, I'm cutting straight to the chase. Kasha's, Kasha's gone rogue and I need your help. Love your room, by the way. Deliciously offbeat. She says, what? Who's Kasha? You know, the giant cat creature you've been chasing around? Well, you were right. I hired her to scare... Yeah. So like... Okay, yeah. Because... And the, the dialogue makes sense. If you didn't have that one sentence two issues ago of her monologuing saying, I can't let Kasha. Some real editorial oversight on the the recap page here. And it threw me off because 
I was like, who the fuck is Kasha? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the I guess that's a cat's name. Okay, right. moving on. Yeah. And then we get down to the end and she's like, Who's Kasha? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So it's it's just it yeah. wasn't great writing. Yeah. The, the banter is fun, but oh. I can also get this banter from like five or six other titles. Sure. So like Yeah. Not a big deal to me. Yeah. So uh, the girl from Fujinet is poised to be like her next nemesis. We'll see what happens. Okay. Web of Spider-Man. Web of Spider-Man. Worldwide Engineering Brigade. Yes. W-E-B Du Bois of Spider-Man. I'm just going to keep running with that joke as long as I can. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I don't know why this exists. Okay. Because it's an engineering group when Unstoppable Wasp, Nadia Van Dyne, did it already. Okay. And her group is called Girl, and it's a central part of her story. Okay. The, the Fantastic Four have done it with the Future Foundation. Uh-huh. And it is a, a continual <laughs> running storyline. Yeah, yeah. That they are they are going and finding all the geniuses around that are little children and, and exploring what they can do with their smarts. Doctor Strange Academy has Strange Academy. The, the magic version of the same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, Web of Spider-Man, the Web Engineering or the Worldwide Engineering <laughs> Brigade, is created by Tony Stark. Yeah. Mentored by Peter Parker. Okay. With members being Squirrel Girl, mm-hmm. Moon Girl. Okay. Onome, who's a member of the Future Foundation. Right. And Harley. Literally, the last time anyone who consumes Marvel has seen was <laughs> in a funeral scene in uh, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> um, so, Iron Man three, that Harley kid who yeah, uh, kid. yeah, who was hanging out with Iron Man. Um, he's now a Marvel Comics character. He's an old, like Z list forgotten Marvel Comics oh, character from like I want to say like the eighties. Okay, and he's basically like. His story was, I built a power suit in my garage. Right. And I'm a child, and <laughs> I cross paths with Iron Man. Okay. Hasn't been seen literally since. Okay. They used him in Iron Man 3. They brought him back for the scene, for the funeral in Endgame. Right. And now he's in Web of Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get them tie-ins. Yeah. And then they brought in Amadeus Cho. Okay. Braun. And everyone was, like, cookie-cutter smart. Yeah. Like, they don't have their specialties. Yeah. Because of the people that they chose. Yeah. The, yeah. These don't really seem like people who need a whole lot of mentorship at this stage. No. <laughs> They've really done, seen some shit, done some shit where, like, you, you're, you're, you're good. Go. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And also, Squirrel Girl doesn't, she's not on the same level as these others. No. She is smart. Yeah. And she's a computer science major. Right. A learning computer science major. She's a computer science student. She's not like, she's not like, I'll just, yeah, I'll just go to school to get the diploma kind of a thing. Like, Like, she's actually going to school. There's people here who are like ranked on, (laughs) you know, the short list of smartest people in 616. Yeah. And you've got like an A student. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. In, 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 in like her second year of college. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't check out. Yeah. But, you know, that's great. Good for her. The first two issues dealt with them. Okay, also, their shop, 
Yeah. Continually rated. There is zero. <laughs> they say it has the best firewalls. It has the best security. Uh-huh. But the first issue deals with a virus that is copying their data, trying to steal their data. See, I'm sorry to give you a tangent here. This is one of the things I really appreciate about Hickman mm-hmm. is that he will throw an issue in to build something up before he tears it down. <laughs> he won't just say like, oh, we have the best firewall. Oh, no, it's being raided. Yeah. You'll have an early issue that's a cool, you know, like... Display of power. Yeah. To earn your fucking your, belief. Your trust in, <laughs> in this concept. Yeah. And then he breaks it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're being attacked by five holographic viruses. Okay. They destroy each one, as, and as each one goes down, the rest get bigger because it checks out. And then <laughs> the last one is in the shape of Green Goblin. And then that's the reveal uh, that at the end of the first issue. And then the second issue, they take it out, and they're like, whoa, that was crazy. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but then the holographic Green Goblin turns into a physical Green Goblin... Oh. And tries to get away through the subway. This is not a. This is not your typical Green Goblin mo. He usually takes to the skies because he's on a glider, but he <laughs> went down into the subway. And so they're like, "That didn't seem right. That's kind of odd." And then the next issue, they go to France, where Green Goblin is waiting for them in France and EMPs their plane. They save themselves, and they're like, "Why is Green Goblin attacking the plane?" <laughs> <laughs> They go, they go to the... So you also have all of these, you know, incredibly smart people asking these incredibly dumb questions and just being befuddled by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's annoying. They then find that this physical Green Goblin is not Norman Osborn because, duh. Because, duh. And turns out to be Mendel Strom. Oh. Who... We were just talking about... Last podcast. Or yeah. Whatever. Recently. Recently. Yeah, because of uh, his involvement with <laughs> yeah. Mephisto bullshit and cloning and all this other shit. Yeah. Doesn't fully matter because... <laughs> so where I thought this was going is he has now figured out... he is He's a program that he can transfer to... Oh. Electronics wirelessly at will. So what? he's basically like an Arnim Zola. Okay. Um, Kind of situation. Sure. I was like, okay, so upgrade for oh, for Mendelstrom because Mendelstrom was killed by Kindred um, <laughs> like two or four years ago. Right. And so I was like, okay, so that's where they're going with this. <laughs> and he's like, haha, I am Mendelstrom using this cyborg green goblin body. I am now Cygob. Ew. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Ew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. And then they use. They use mirrors from the Louvre <laughs> to track. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to explain that. Nope. I'm just going to laugh. I'm not going to. <laughs> Good, thank uh, you. They use mirrors from the Louvre to trap him within the Louvre and then destroy his AI. So, Cygob is done. Thank God. The two web... Please uh, never say that name to me again. Yeah, the two <laughs> web labs that we saw on screen mm-hmm. both 
failed the security check. Okay. <laughs> and now they they've saved the day and they're happy and it literally ended with the end. I'm really <laughs> hoping it's the end. It's <laughs> okay. not not a good book. I'm sorry. It was it not great. And so I was confused because I saw it and it's an off-size book and it included characters that are like current characters. I was like, is this a 616 book? Is yeah. this just like a kid's random book? It looks like book? a kid's book, yeah. It seems pretty 616 for ages 10 plus. <laughs> but it was a it was it's issues that just came out last year. Yeah. It wasn't great. Okay. There's no like there's no tension. And so like sure. I don't so I don't know if it is con- if it is considered 616 mm-hmm. basically the only way we're going to find out is in the <laughs> future the someone's going to make a reference to web <laughs> or not yeah right <laughs> and yeah okay woo woo good times black knight black knight black knight black knight dane whitman okay so sir percy is what's his face is Ancestor. King Arthur's oh. well, it's, he's King Arthur's cousin. Yeah, and he is the ancestor of Dane Whitman. Whitman, Whitman. I'm not going to go through the story as it is presented because I'm basically just going to give the synopsis. Okay, and, and like as far as like the history that we've been told now. Okay, because I have had a slight problem with the history of the Ebony Blade and the fact that it was created by Merlin. Well, Merlin had it created yeah, and all this Camelot stuff, but then what about like Camelot and Otherworld and Excalibur and Captain Britain and all yeah. that other kind of stuff? Yeah. Where do those two come together? <laughs> I've been very curious. Yeah. And so what we learned in King and Black, which wasn't even really leaned into here, but what we learned in King and Black is that all of the Knights of the Round Table were too pure to wield the mm. Ebony Blade. It mm. needed someone dark and broody to uh, <laughs> to unleash it. Uh-huh. Um, but basically what came out of that... Someone who does know some things. He does know some things. He knows, uh, he knows he's a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, in King and Black, they un- he unlocks the ability to really unleash the Ebony Blade by... The more self-hated and doubtful and wallowy he is, the more stronger he is. So he's like the polar opposite of, like, one, Captain Britain. Yeah. And, and two. Gladiator. Gl- or, yeah, Gladiator yeah. Or, or, like, a like a Hulk. Yeah. Like, if he hates himself, he becomes more powerful. And he can, he can lock into that. He shoots a fucking, like, Thundercat type <laughs> shot out of his sword. Fuck, I'd be great at this. And, he, <laughs> and he's he's just wildly powerful. Yeah. And if you are a just person, you can't lift the ebony blade. Okay. At least now. Sure. It, you could in Camelot, yeah, but whatever. Whatever. So we... Cause the only reason why I point that out is because Thor tries to lift it, and he can't. Huh. And then Dane can summon it like Mjolnir. Okay. He's like, I just hate myself that much, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so and so like he can just like unleash it and shoot these shots now. Okay. So Dane tries to put on this false bravado face and, and they're they're kind of they're trying to work in everything that they've 
done with Black Knight over the years. Because when he was on the Avengers, he talked like a gallant knight for reasons yeah. that no one understood. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, bro, you're you're 25. Cut yeah. your shit. So, <laughs> you're um, literally from down the street. Get yeah. The fuck out of here. So he's trying to do that when he's hanging out with the Avengers. And yeah. they're like, what are you doing? Dude? Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. It's just trying to like play the part <laughs> that is that that is cool because you, you've got thor and hercules and yeah. they actually fucking talk like this right and so when he talked to thor thor was like are you making fun of me <laughs> <laughs> why are you talking like that That's he's dope. like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> um, but then it's funny because dane also has he's apparently known for just like genetically cloning his pegasi yeah because they die a lot i guess <laughs> and he always has a new one and so they've just made it part of his story that he just clones these pegasuses <laughs> and anytime someone shows up they talk shit about how poorly made his pegasus is is <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking walmart version of a pegasus <laughs> and they just and so like they poke at him and i really feel like those scenes are just like yeah, we know he's been around, but we're trying to tell a story. <laughs> we, we've got to reintroduce this character, and we've got to humanize him a little bit. We've got yeah. to we've got to put some actual fucking work into making this character likable, relatable, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> especially if you're going to have him in some fucking movies coming up. Exactly. So there is. Turns out there is a there's a enchantment slash curse that is put on the blade that he who wields it. If they are... <laughs> if they be unworthy. <laughs> <laughs> he who wields it, if they are... A, p- a real piece of shit. If they are of King Arthur's blood, mm. they will be brought back. Mm. And so, like, they will eternally... If they die holding the sword, they'll get revived. Mm. So that's a thing that they found out. And that seems like it's a new thing here. Okay. I was trying to find the actual, like, four-line enchantment, but it's not that big a deal. It's just, it's two couplets that rhyme. Uh, And there is this girl who's going around who is a, like, NYU student. Okay. And she has been researching Camelot and has this running theory that Camelot didn't exist. Hmm. Because there are no ruins. Mm -hmm. There are, there's no trace Mm -hmm. of Camelot. It's Mm -hmm. all just, like, hearsay and legend. Yeah. So they kind of dive a little into that. And turns out, so it's it's hilarious how hated Merlin is. Oh, yeah. Like, Everyone fucking hates Merlin. Right? But like, yeah. in like Sword in the Stone and stuff, he's like, he's always, yeah. he's, he's, he's the Gandalf yeah. of medieval folklore. folklore but, yeah. you know, I guess not. So <laughs> they always call him like Mer- Merlin the half devil, yeah. uh, the half demon and shit. But so... Because apparently Merlin built Camelot mm-hmm. out of magic. Yeah. And with the Ebony Blade and other dark rumors about Merlin and stuff, he wanted to make the pristine Camelot. And so what he did is he put a bunch of things in motion to kind of cull all of the bad stuff about Camelot took all the perfect stuff and moved it to Otherworld. <laughs> and that's how you have oh. the Camelot in Otherworld. 
And that's why there's no ruins. No. Because he literally <laughs> took everything interesting and put into another room. Okay. So that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. <laughs> but yeah, he was upset. Like, just like the vanity of Merlin. He really wanted yeah. the perfect kingdom, basically. Mm. And he took the star rock thing that the ebony, the ebony blade is made out of. Yeah. And he made, he had the blacksmith make four tools from it. Hmm. The ebony blade, the ebony shield, the ebony staff, <laughs> like a walking stick, okay, and the ebony chalice. Mm. The sword will cut anything, and you know if you hate yourself, it makes you stronger. <laughs> the shield will block any attack. The we don't explore what the walking stick will do, and then the chalice reveals truths. Basically, mm. if you drink from it, it tells you things. Huh. So the sword was chosen and the other three were tossed into the lava from whence the heat came. But uh, a third party <laughs> took the walking stick, melted it down, turned it into an ebony dagger. Okay. Mordred gets involved. So more, whenever, whenever there's an antagonist or some, something involving Black Knight, mm-hmm. the, the man behind it is usually Mordred. Yeah. Mordred is King Arthur's son oh, okay. that he had with his sister. Oh. Yeah. Mm. In 616. I don't know right. if that's the story. <laughs> I don't know if that's the story in Classical true... Yeah. Arthurian um, legend, yeah. Yeah, but... So, basically, King Arthur said that Mordred would only ever have the throne if he was the last. Like, he, he was the final heir to the throne. Okay. So Mordred has decided he wants to take the throne back, and so he wants to go and kill all of Arthur's bloodline. Okay. So he's going around, and this is kind of cool. So he's been killing a whole bunch of historians, including this girl's teacher, and that's why she ends up crossing paths. But... Kills all these historians because these historians have a sliver of Arthur's blood in them, and that magical blood is had is what like compelled them to become a historian to like find their like historical truth kind hmm. of thing. Okay. It's kind of it was it was a one off like sentence about it, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like. Why would someone be interested in Arthurian legend <laughs> um, in the modern day? Yeah. Like, there's thinking it's cool and like looking at it as a hobby, but then there's like dedicating your professional life to it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. But anyway, it ends with Mordred being stopped again. He's died so many times, so he'll Whatever. be back. I'm sure. sure. The girl is actually Dane's daughter. Okay. So she came back from while holding the ebony blade. Okay. And they together they fought Mordred and, and killed him for now. Dane took the chalice, the shield, and the dagger, melted it down, and made the ebony throne. Sorry, the ebon siege is what he calls it. Hmm. It's also really poorly made because it's Dane. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like the just abiding character trait for Dane Whitman that he just he just sucks. Yeah. It <laughs> just kinda sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a really good you need you know, you've got the everything else superhero. You know, why not the guy who just kind of sucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you sit on the when you sit on the throne, 
It, uh, it basically, it has similar abilities as the chalice. Mm. So, like, it, it gives you visions. Okay. Kind of like, uh, was it Metreon chair from DC? Whenever, I wouldn't know. I know. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. Anyway, <laughs> and for people who may know on uh, who are listening to this. But anyway, so Dane is like, okay, I'm going to be Black Knight. I've got my sword and I've got my Ebon Siege. And his daughter is, after she accepts the fact that she is his daughter, because she didn't know. And it doesn't matter. She knows now. She's like, let me share the burden with you. And so while you sit on the chair to... You know, have your visions and stuff. I will be out in the world using the ebony blade as the Black Knight. Mm-hmm. And then after I do that outing, we'll trade. Okay. And so now we have the Black Knights. Mm. And um, yeah, it was surprisingly interesting. Cool. Just like they spent, they spent as much time in these five issues telling the current story as they did exploring and establishing the history. Is that an ongoing? No. Huh. It's a one shot. Interesting. I know. It makes me sad. But also, I imagine the next one will be called Black Knights. Um, sure. Because it says the Black Knights will return. Oh, okay. So, because this is specifically subtitled The Curse of the Ebony Blade, like it's part of the title and right. not the title of the of Right, like right, the run. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this just establishes the history of the Ebony Blade. Because they spent a lot of time yeah. going into the past and stuff. Yeah. There are other aspects, but that those are the main takeaways. There used to be four Ebony items. Yeah. Now it's the Ebon Siege and the Ebony Blade. Mm-hmm. And now we have two Black Knights. Okay. A father-daughter team up. Nice. And yeah, so Dane Whitman is a descendant of an offshoot of King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Um, yeah. But it was fun. There, there was Elsa Bloodstone was involved, nice. and there was an, uh, this other Bloodstone user that was involved. But he died, she left. So, oh, he died, she left, and not important to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised at how good it was. I think it was just because I was waiting for them to establish its connection to the other world, Camelot. Yeah, yeah. And they did it, and so nice. I was. Uh, I felt addressed. <laughs> <laughs> you felt seen? You yes. felt heard? I felt seen and yeah. heard. Okay. But it was fun. It was good. Nice. That's and cool. that was all I read. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, uh, I guess I'll, I'll jump in then. Yeah. So Wolverine. We're at a weird spot in the Wolverine title where there's no consistent writer. Mm. It's like, you know, Lionel Francis Yu has taken over as a regular penciler, which is great. Yeah, he's I like awesome. his art. Yeah, he's very good. But the writer changes every, you know, couple issues. Hmm. So there's just, like, you know, no plot. Like, there's no ongoing, like, narrative direction. It's just right. Monsters of the Week. Yeah. And kind of dealing with the aftermath of his marriage to Viper and Sabretooth getting adamantium and breaking his claws. Ah. The last big things that were going on with him. So his claws are still broken. He goes to the Weapon X facility, just kind of, like, walk around and find himself. Classic Wolverine shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up fighting Wendigo. So that's one issue. And then uh, wow. Viper sends him, and, you know, and it's just like, oh, we're, we just want a cool fight scene. Wolverine yeah. and Wendigo. We'll have that be a full issue. Sure. Fine. Fun. Whatever. Didn't pay for it. So I'm not unhappy. <laughs> um, 
Next storyline, uh, this is two issues. Viper sends him to climb the Himalayas to find... There was this Hydra expedition out there that fell victim to a virus, and he has to go find the virus so that cure, blah, 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 blah. But there's no virus. There's just this sort of, like, spider-like, alien-like monster thing that's killing people. He kills it and just makes sure there's no... It's got, like, a, like, you know, poison, like a venom that, you know, bites you, stings you, whatever, and it sucks you dry like you were had a virus or something. Mm. So he kills it, and then he destroys, you know, just to make sure there's no samples for for Viper to take to, you know, re-engineer the poison or whatever. He, uh, you know, blows up the Hydra base and makes sure that all the, you know, that everyone survives, blah, 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 blah. Next little storyline. So 41 issues prior. <laughs> okay. He intervened in this random domestic assault case, you know, afraid that this husband was going to kill his wife and kids. And at that point, he nearly killed the guy. Now the wife is dead. The daughter's in critical condition. The guy is on the run with his son. And he's hunting down. He's hunting the guy down on, you know, big old manhunt while the cops do their CSI thing to figure out what exactly happened. Turns out that the husband was, you know, turning violent on the wife again. The wife pulled a gun. The son hit the mom in the head with a shovel and she died and fell on the daughter and (laughs) put her into critical care. Okay. And then the whole thing just ends abruptly. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> How is this a wolf? Okay, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, Wolverine will like special, you know, not a regular issue. It's like a 50-page one-shot called Black Rio. Goes to Rio de Janeiro for Carnival, meets up with uh, an old friend named Antonio, who is a cop, and he's investigating a string of murders where the corpses are all covered in bites and drained of all their blood. You're like, hmm. <laughs> You're like, hmm. <laughs> he runs into Antonio's long, long missing wife, who's all vampirized. But it, it's never really quite clear. So there's this head vampire guy named Cyrus who has this like alien symbiotic like mouth slash wound slash like sarlacc pit looking thing in his abdomen. Just like, and it talks to him telepathically, like it has these little telepathic speech bubbles. Interesting. It's unclear whether that's the source of his vampirism or whether it's like proper vampire, but he also has that. <laughs> it should just be the worst. <laughs> no. Okay. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, you've already got this, and you're like, it's like flaring up and talking to you, yeah. and then you get bit as you're like trying to deal with this <laughs> psychic voice in your ugh. Rough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Antonio's killed, and then he kills Cyrus and the symbiotic thing. Ezra gets away at the end. It was it was not bad. It was cool art, you know. Mm. It 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 really portrayed like the sort of like hard living, hard drinking aspect of Wolverine. Well, huh. you know, it, you know, partying and all that, and. It, it was one of the few times you see, like, Wolverine when he's doing all that, and it seems like he's actually having fun. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, like, with his healing factor, does drinking beer 
actually do anything? It It's inconsistent, right? Sometimes, no. In this, he actually does have a hangover. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's beyond where I was going. I know, wow, right? okay. Yeah, like, I just... Because I don't like the taste of beer. Right. It grows on you, I guess. Yeah. But, like, if you're not getting drunk <laughs> and it's not like it's not like he ever had a period of his time where he was drinking beer and didn't have a healing factor right <laughs> so like it's not like he's drinking it out of nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> that and that's fine if that's his yeah. favorite drink yeah but i feel like he would have been just as likely to like be like all about coke or something <laughs> I cannot like an imagine Wolverine on. Oh, I thought you were saying cocaine. No, sorry. Coca Cola. Imagine Coca Wolverine. <laughs> you oh see him like doing like bumping a line off of his claws and just. Being, <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, dude, you just put it on the claws and then, yeah, and yeah. then retract them. Oh, <laughs> straight to the blood. Oh shit. Yes. <laughs> terrible ideas. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible if you're not Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow oh wow yeah that's a thing <laughs> uh moving on yeah <laughs> okay if you've got some issues with generation x here okay larry hama's the writer <laughs> before we get into Just this to preface, to preface. well larry okay it will be very clear when when because larry hama leaves the title in the middle of this, and it will be very clear when. Okay. Okay. So in the previously, previously on X Men, previously on Generation X. So Skin found out that his friend slash ex girlfriend didn't shoot people in a drive by, and he's been holding on to this gun ever since to like make it so that the cops don't recover a murder weapon and she doesn't get. Oh. Right. Um, okay. And so it turns out that she didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the, him holding on to this gun is, he's, he kept it in this cigar box. And then Everett Sink mm-hmm. walks, walks out of the academy with a cigar box and Jubilee sees. And she's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, and it, he's going, he says something about going to, it, he, also previously, he was beat up by some townie kids and put into a coma. Oh. Very briefly. And brief coma. A very brief coma. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Jubilee's like, he's going to go out and kill these kids with a gun. What the fuck? And so she goes and tails him and is like, stop. And it's like, no, it's, it's full of money. I, I went to give them money to replace the car that they used to run over me with because I'm just that kind of good dude, and we need to break the cycle of violence at some point, yada, yada, yada. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then Siren comes to visit and has a heart-to-heart with her da. <laughs> <laughs> with a Banshee. Yeah, with Banshee. I don't think that there's any resolution in there. It's just the thing that happens. Paige is leaving the school for a little bit to go back home to take care of her sick mother, just like... Cannonball just did. Mm-hmm. Chamber is still unable to talk because the Psy War shut off tele- telepathic powers. So he and Paige kind of have like, you know, a saying goodbye moment. And, the, you know, they've been the romantic tension mm-hmm. since the very start of the title. 
And so he finally, like, it seems like he has his moment and he, like, burns a heart into a piece of paper, you know? And so it seems like this is kind of, like, finally going to be their moment of getting together. And also, if you remember, in there was this random character who was, like, a former business rival of Emma Frost's named Bianca Laneige. And she had seven cockroaches who she had turned into dwarves and they had a spaceship that crashed into the the biosphere in the on the gen x academy headquarters grounds okay the biosphere apparently was like part of krakoa or something that's a detail that escaped me but apparently (laughs) it's true okay so yeah so bianca and the cockroach dwarves are busy repairing the biosphere because they just, you know, they're like, oh, we failed at our revenge mission. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I guess I'll fix this for you. And so they're doing that and working on it. And then they get, it seems like shunted off into the future. Like there's there's a security cam that takes pictures that's taking pictures of what's going on as it's dis- as the biosphere is disappearing and it's it shows like this futuristic landscape behind them in while it's disappearing mm. and then someone's like it's not a question of where it went but, but when <laughs> classic yeah um i'm not sure they'll ever follow up with this plot uh, yeah <laughs> You mean you don't want to see the seven cock dwarves? <laughs> <laughs> you want to see them come back as fully fledged out cockroaches? Cock <laughs> trolls? Yeah. That's a grown dwarf. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's just sort of cool with this. Nobody really bothers to do anything about it. They're like, oh, I guess we need a new training space now that the biosphere is gone. And so they get the danger room, like, in a package from Muir Island or whatever, because now that Excalibur is disbanded, you know, mm. like, they sent their Cerebro off, and they're just packing just piecemealing. up pieces. Yeah, yeah fuck okay. it. Okay. So Forge comes by and installs the, the, the new danger room in the school gym, and there's some sort of, like, rogue AI inside of it that emerges and attacks and then they turn, they beat it, and they turn it back into a basketball hoop. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good, 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 good. Just where you should have some danger room tech. Yeah, a couple storylines prior, they freed this girl named Gaia. She has pink hair. She has like telekinesis powers. She's n- not human. Something's going on with her. She's extra dimensional in some way. She was chained to a rock called like the amalgam the universal amalgamator for like the last 17,000 years. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but she looks like a teenager and acts like one. Okay. And she's just been hanging out at the school for a little while, so she finally enrolls for real and Everett has a crush on her. Also, there's a plot where the school inspector comes and gets so worked up at all the crazy shit because they don't really bother, you know, they're just like, not even like powers crazy shit, but like, what the fuck is going on with like, Penance's passport situation? We don't know who this person is. 
you know. Okay. We've just it, who and what who there are no records for Gaia. You just invented this per, like you're are you uh, doing human trafficking? What's going on? Right. And so she gets so worked up, she has a a literal heart attack. And so they're rushing her to the hospital and they all have to like use their powers and come together in order to do it. And they're doing it in front of her. And in a rare twist of this, every time this plot happens, she is thankful. <laughs> She's like, oh, I see that there's odd things going here, but you use them for good to save my life. And I'm grateful. I'll give you the accreditation and look the other way. <laughs> all right. And then Larry Hama leaves the title. <laughs> okay. Paige comes back immediately. She's gone for like... <laughs> okay, okay. She's been okay. gone for like two issues. And Jono is really awkward about it. He's like, I thought she was going to be gone for longer. I, you know, expressed it. Oh, he can talk again now. The war thing has worn off. Okay. It's like, you know expressed some things to her that I it only seemed safe to do if I thought she was going to be gone for a long time. Yeah. And now that she's back so quickly, I, I, I'm just feeling really awkward about this whole thing. And so he's just kind of like brushing her off. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, but sort your shit out. Jubilee and M kind of fight it out in the danger room a little bit. Maggot comes to the school. You remember they just wrote him out of right. uh, the X title. They were just drop, yeah, dropping Just all the abruptly, X-Men. yeah. So he kind of like starts to make friends with the students. He's there for literally like an issue and one page. He's attacked, uh, his slugs are attacked by this trophy hunter named Cornelius Francis Slaughter, who talks about having been to Asgard, Savage Land, Genosha, etc. So, you know, big fight, rescue the slugs, Slaughter gets away, Maggot decides to go after him instead of join the school. Literally nobody wants Maggot. Wow. Um, This plot line is never touched again. Slaughter has never appeared in another issue. Maggot doesn't, it appears in one random issue. The, the, I I looked this up on the wiki. (laughs) He he appears, you know, a little while later at uh, Joseph's funeral. And then the next time he appears is five years later when he's killed off. Okay. <laughs> Everyone hates Maggot. Oh, I don't know why. I like, I like Maggot. Maggot. He's got unique slang. <laughs> he's got weird-ass powers. Yep. Very unique. He's got a fun sort of cocky attitude about him, but he seems to have his head on straight. But, you know... Krakoa is a new day, and maybe he'll find some actual use. No one just no one knows how to write a guy that has two intestine slugs <laughs> as this means of power. <laughs> external digestive system <laughs> with a mind of its own. Is that so yeah. hard? Is that so difficult? <laughs> Do you not have a frame of reference from your life? <laughs> Who's amongst us? <laughs> Doesn't have a good friend with an external <laughs> digestive system with a mind of its own. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I'll never know, but, like, <laughs> I feel like isn't that what being pregnant is like? Oh, good call. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, come on. Yeah. Uh, being pregnant, but if your fetus could exit your body, 
go and, and come back whatever go you eat want whatever the <laughs> oh my gosh and then when it comes back you turn blue and get super strength exactly yeah come on totally straightforward dude <laughs> lazy writers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, even more random Generation X storylines uh, to, to shotgun here. Let's see. Emma has lost a bunch of money in the stock market, and she goes to her other sister, Adrienne. Cordelia Frost, her younger sister, has already been a character mm. uh, in Generation X. She's kind of like the black sheep. She's a mutant, but her powers were never revealed she was kind of just in very briefly as a villain mostly, but she rescued Mondo and brought him to the school. But it turns out that Mondo was a plant clone created by Black Tom Cassidy, something, 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 prophet. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is Emma's other sister, Adrienne. So they all come from wealth and privilege, right? Right. But Emma was disowned when she was young. She was the ugly one. She was also the one who most vis- most apparently manifested her mutant powers. Mm. And don't say visibly. She couldn't, like, turn to diamond yet or right. anything. That was a secondary mutation. Yeah. But her telepathy, you know, she made it public in some way. She was disowned, left on the street, built her fortune, you know, from the ground up, yada, yada, yada. Adrienne is the heiress to the fortune and then has expanded on it with her own mutant powers, which are psychometry. So the long shot, Rachel Summers, touch a thing, know its whole history. I love that power so much. (laughs) I know you do. Yeah. God, dude. Oh, that's such a great fucking power. Yeah. It's called psychometry. Psychometry. What did I call it? Kinetic psych... I'm sure it's been called a lot of different things. I just, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Psychometry. Yeah. Psychometry. That's the word. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. So, yeah, Adrienne uses her psychometry powers and finds out that, so, so Emma's going to, to Adrienne for money to help keep the school afloat. Adrienne is about to say no, and then she uses her psychometry powers, finds out that Emma's school is a bunch of you know, mutants who they're training to use their powers, et cetera, et cetera. She's like, oh, this could be useful. I'll do this on the condition that I get to be the new headmistress. So, yeah. Enter conflict. Enter conflict. Random aside, just the throwaway line of dialogue. When Maggot's there, you know, he's talking about, like, how cool it is to meet your idols, and they turn out to be, like, every bit as awesome as you expected they were. And Everett... Slip, let's slip that his idol is T'Challa. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's also an annual in here. Timeline unclear. <laughs> it's sometime after the whole, like, you know, coming to a head with Paige and Jono. Dracula is sending dreams to Jono and Paige, kidnaps Paige to get to Jono because he's drawn to his power, and gets into the, you know, academy and blah, blah, blah. They have to fight him off. But in the process, seems like maybe Jono got bit. He like, you know, there's like an end panel sort of like stinger or whatever. And he reveals, you know, the space between his sleeve and his glove. And you see two bite marks there. 
So who knows if that'll ever get addressed again. This is just like an era of vampires biting any part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the neck. <laughs> Whatever I can take. <laughs> yeah. Okay, X-Men Liberators. Okay. Col- Colossus goes back to Russia to visit his parents' graves. Wolverine and Nightcrawler go with him. You know, now that they're on a team again, catching back up, yada, yada, yada. There's some flashbacks along the way that don't really amount to much about, you know, Colossus first gaining everybody's trust. Because uh. he was younger than the others. Uh-huh. I like the three of them. Me too. Like, as a team. I, you can't say paired up, but right. grouped. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they're so, their personalities are, like, so different from each other. Totally. But they blend so well. Yeah, they really do. So great. Yeah. Okay, so they got caught very, caught up very quickly in this plot regarding a camp for mutant kids. One of the kids is loose. His name is Nicholas. He's just, like, this hulking monstrosity covered in, like, weird bone ridges and pustules, and he just looks really gross. And his power is that he just kills anything he touches, except for his mother when she was birthing him, and, like, you know, subsequently. And so he ends up touching Wolverine and, you know, barely survives, left for dead, blah, blah, blah. And they're they're all split up, like, just about immediately. Colossus ends up meeting Nicholas's mother, who hates... Piotr because he wasn't taken away like Nicholas was or blames him for, you know, being the first mutant in the area and opening the government's eyes to the potential of mutants and that's Mm. why they opened this camp, blah, 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 blah. Then Omega Red shows up because Russia. Because Russia. Yeah. Russia mutants. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. At least editorial remembered that they had to get him from the Savage Land. (laughs) <laughs> There's just like one panel of, you know, like a helicopter <laughs> <laughs> just like picking him up in the Savage Land. Okay. From the whole Maverick storyline where he was <laughs> put there for no good goddamn reason. Uh, anyway, so that's what Colossus and Wolverine are doing. Nightcrawler teleports into the camp, meets the kids who are there. There's Nanya, the psychic, who keeps her powers hidden from her captors, but she's psychic. And then the rest of the kids aren't actually mutants. And so this is like a failing program. Like they're, they're picking up. Wow, they're just grabbing children. Yeah. Or kids they think are mutants, you know. Right. You're a Russian redhead. Mm-hmm. You must be a mutant. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, the, and, you know, it was like Soviet era and it's 1998 now. Like shut this shit down. So the administrator guy ends up shooting himself. And there's a confrontation between Nicholas and Omega Red. Omega Red runs away after he's touched uh, or something, but it seems like he doesn't die on the spot. So, okay. But it's like Omega Red's death factor versus this guy's death touch or whatever. I don't know. It wasn't really explored. It just sort of almost happened and then stopped. (laughs) Right. Nicholas is reunited with his mother who fucking kills him with a knife. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And the X-Men go home not changed by the experience at all. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was weirdly heavy for something that just, like, was not placed at all Uh in anything and didn't have any narrative weight. Like, 
yeah, there was no narrative weight or tension to it. Just like, just these randomly like extremely heavy things happened during yeah. the plot. Okay, X Men Unlimited twenty two. Finishing us off here. It was written by Brian K. Vaughn, one of his cool. very first Marvel credits. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Okay. You know, before Saga, before Runaways, before all that. Uh-huh. So Marrow's doing her, you know, my only character trade is I'm jealous of beautiful people. And Kitty is, you know, hasn't been back for long. So Marrow's like spying on her sleeping, talking about how beautiful he, she is. and rah, 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 Right. Uh-huh. And then just like drops a dead rat on her teddy bear while she's asleep. Like a cat. Yeah. Just okay. Boom. <laughs> and, and Kitty freaks out, and Meryl's like, I got more. <laughs> okay. And, you know, in in the sort of, like, argument, fight, whatever, she kind of lets slip that she saw some terrorists load some bombs. She's like, oh, I see all sorts of things in the in the sewers, like, you know, terrorists loading bombs on the subway cars, and everyone's like, Excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, that just happened today, and oh they're like, God. oh, we should we 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 should go do something about it. Yeah. Uh, so they they do. They like you know split off into teams to find the bomb and the flat and the smashers, and they're like, oh, we don't have any more you know equipment in the mansions ever since Bastion and Operation Zero Tolerance stole everything. And Marrow's like, well, I, I took the liberty of boosting some walkie talkies off of some construction workers down on the subway and they're about they're like are about to say something and she's like give me a break i'm gonna get lectured about stealing from uh, oh gambit and and uh storm are Uh, about to you know give her shit and she's like i'm gonna get lectured about stealing from a pickpocket and a member of the thieves guild come on (laughs) come on on. (laughs) (laughs) so you know they end up finding going through all the tunnels and finding the bombs and uh, the bomb and Fight through. Oh, so it turns out that it is Flag Smasher and his group Ultimatum, uh. and so they uh, they fight through all the mooks, and then they're under the United Nations building with the subway, you know, in the subway car with the bomb. And they're like, "Whoa, wait, this doesn't make sense." Flag Smasher's whole thing is he wants to, you know, tear down individual governments and unite the world, and that's kind of what the UN's all about. So, like, this this doesn't make this doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Let's go. And Meryl's like, ah, runs off. I'm going to find the real bomb. And there's this whole conversation going on. This whole issue is just sort of like a vehicle to build a relationship between Kitty and Meryl, which is cool because, like, the mainline X-Men title is not interested in building relationships between his characters at all uh-huh. at this period of time. And so it, there's this, it ends up being this whole referendum on, like, how well Meryl knows or understands the surface dwellers, the humans. It's like, well, Kitty's like, well, you've lived apart from them your whole life. Like, you've had no contact with them. You can't know them. And she's like, no, I know them because they've taken so much away from me. I know them from my separation, my isolation, from what's lacking from my life, basically. Mm. And so she's like, you always follow the money. So I'm going to Wall Street. And she runs into Flag Smasher with the real bomb there. And Flag Smasher's like, oh, you know, it can't be, it can't be diffused, blah, 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 blah. And Marrow's like, he's lying. And Kitty's like, no, no, these, these villains, they're always going to, you know, especially somebody like Flag Smasher who's driven by ideology, you know, he's, 
he's uh, he's just crazy enough to do it. I'm gonna take one, you know, I guess I didn't think I was gonna die today, but I'll, you know, I'll phase it down far enough and it won't hurt anybody. And, and Marrow's like, you're an idiot, and takes a club and knocks her out, and then stabs Flag Smasher through the, ch- through the shoulder, pinning him to the bomb, and is like, I know you can defuse this. You're not going down with the ship. What a badass. <laughs> Holy sh... Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow, okay. And turns out that she's right. Right? Yep. Yep. So yeah, this whole thing, you know, developing this relationship between Kitty and and Meryl, but it goes pretty hard on that. Like, it starts with Meryl watching Kitty while she's sleeping, right? And commenting on, like, Oh, she's so beautiful. Her chestnut hair always falls perfectly over that flawless complexion. Can't you see those roomy hazel eyes? Blah, blah, blah. Look at the way those supple red lips stay open just a little while she sleeps. And then at one point down in, in the tunnels, Kitty's like, you know, you, you talk all so much about, you know, your obsession. with Get over your obsession with beauty, Marrow. You, you think the fact that you don't look like them gives you license to hate all humans? I've got some nar- hard news for you, sister. You're not ugly as you think you are. You're actually, and Meryl's like, don't say it. And then at the end, when Marrow, or when Kitty, you know, she's knocked out and she's coming to, and she's just like asleep in, in Marrow's lap. And she's like, she still looks beautiful. Her chestnut hair. Those hazel eyes. Me, there's a new bone growth coming out of my cheek and through my nose. In the end, I guess what we all deserve. But just like her obsession with Kitty's beauty while she's tuckered out asleep on her lap. Seems like, fuck, I'll ship it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. But it really feels like that's where, that's the direction that... Brian K. Vaughn is looking at this. Right. Yeah. It never picked up by anybody else, but... It's rude. I know. Yeah. So that's uh, that, that was my comics this week. Those, uh, those seemed more <laughs> entertaining. It seemed like a good week. Yeah. I mean, even the bad... Yeah, even the bad comics were entertainingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was... The most heinous typo oh, no. in Web of Spider-Man that I'm trying to see if I can impulse find. Like, when you read as many comics as I slash we do, yeah. you come across the, like, yeah. missing word here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah. And it's like, it's a numbers game. It's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Yep. This one was legitimately, like, the first five words of the sentence and then... The first five words of the sentence again. Oh no! Yeah, I I was confused. I had to read it like twice <laughs> to be like, is, did that just happen? Um, it was one of the like internal dialogue ones. But so I have three random thoughts, and I'm gonna save one of them for next time. Okay. Did you read the Astonishing X Men issue where Kyle and Jean Paul get married? Yes. So that came. That is one of the books that I uh, scanned last night for mm. on Twitch, mm-hmm. and one of my chatters asked if I felt like it was uh, the story was forced at all because mm. it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, Jean Paul and Kyle, I think, is the first 
homosexual marriage that happened in comics. Yeah, I think so. And to me, I don't feel like it felt forced. Yeah, I mean, they were... They've been together for a really long time. And, and the, the whole, I mean, their relationship was a large part of the backdrop of that entire run. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that was like, what, issue 25 or something. Like, it was a major, major you know, right. plot thread for the entire length of that title. Yeah. And, so, and, and it's... Going on two years. The, the question comes from a, like, from, a, from, a, from an awareness of mm-hmm. marketing. And the way that, yeah... Yeah, so, and I had to, like, think about it. I was like, did it feel worse at the time? Because I don't think it did. They made a big deal out of it. They marketed um, the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, because it is a big deal. Right, yeah. But story-wise, I don't feel like it was that forced. I mean, I think a lot of it just lands on the shoulders. The fact that Marjorie Liu, who, who wrote that title, is just a hell of a writer. <laughs> She's just really good. <laughs> yeah, she is. But yeah, it was a good story. I, I, yeah. I don't think it was forced. Yeah, I don't like it. Cool. I just wanted to see if I was alone in that or not. Sorry. One quick note that I forgot from that X-Men Unlimited. Mm-hmm. When they when they first run up on Flag Smasher down under Wall Street, <laughs> they see him in his costume and Kitty says, Space Coast? Oh! Because <laughs> the resemblance is... <laughs> it is there, there. absolutely. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow, I've never seen a Space Ghost reference in comics. Right? That's great. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, did you read... Because <laughs> these are X titles. Mm-hmm. I think it was... Ooh, no, you you dropped X-Men by, by AVX, right? Uh, no, I, I read through AVX. Okay. Afterwards, there was like the Omega Mutant. Which one? <laughs> right. Bit... Uh, well, so like the okay, the storyline is called the Omega Mutant. Okay. And it, it tells the story of oh shoot, I I spent so much time trying to make sure I remembered it. It was like Matthew. There's two S's, Matthew Muller or or Musser or something, where like his mutant power was literally like whatever he imagined happened, mm. like became reality. Uh, no, I don't remember this one. And the reason why we only just now got introduced to him was because Professor X would come by every year. Wait, to... was this Forget Me Not? No. Okay. Because for Forget Me Not was yeah. if you didn't see him, you forgot who he was. Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting one. Yeah. And I think he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one is not. Okay. <laughs> but no, like Xavier on an annual basis – would have to go by and wipe his mind again oh. of his awareness of his mutant ability. Oh, shit. And so Avengers vs. X-Men happens, Xavier mm-hmm. dies, mm. and so the walls break down, and so that's how we like introduced to him. Okay. And so the question of how do you deal with, like, how do you address this? <laughs> mm. Where things are getting out of hand he's like wiping out entire shield helicarriers he killed off the x-men he disintegrated emma frost mm. like it's going very poorly bananas yeah. yes mm-hmm. so how does one rectify that how do you <laughs> deal with someone who rewrites reality in reactively yeah has no actual control over it. It just happens. Right. And uh, the resolution 
and chat yelled at me when I was going over this, and I was like, because this this story happened in 2015. How dare you? Tempest Mm -hmm. goes back in time. Sure. To meet with Xavier to tell him about this, and Xavier goes and prevents his parents from ever meeting. (laughs) And so he's never born. Okay. Mind boy, <laughs> it was dark, and so Tempest comes back, and Cyclops is like, "What did you do? Where have you been?" And she's like, "You don't need to fucking know." And she, she like, it was kind of this like descent into like a dark path that Tempest was gonna go down. Oh yeah, and then she just never ended up doing. Yeah, I think she was going to go and join Magneto's group, mm. but they just didn't explore it. Yeah. But it was so, so past Xavier chastised her hard. Yeah. I was just like, how dare you manipulate time? How dare you come back here to yeah. tell me to prevent a mutant from being born? Right. All this other stuff. But anyway, it was interesting. Hmm. I it, I came across that book last night. Nice. About. So I found the freaking thing. And in Web of Spider-Man, this is why it's a bad book. <laughs> the... Uh, the dialogue is now he's just a series of atoms contained to now his tech is just a series of atoms being contained in one of these smaller pyramids. Ooh. It's like they started to type it, realized that's not what they wanted to say. And instead Didn't. of hitting backspace, <laughs> <laughs> they just, just restarted. I had to reread no it. No copy editing. Yeah, I had yeah. to reread it to see if there was a comma or a period that I skipped over or something. Nah. You're, and you're giving this to kids too. It's like, we don't mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. That's mean. Now he's just a series of atoms contained to... Now his tech is just a series of item, of atoms being contained in one of these smaller pyramids. So obnoxious. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that. Good times. Good times. <sighs> X-Men Legends that we did uh, last week with like Adam X and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Volume 2 is coming out. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be another... But it's like it's not retcon. It's more just like past expansion. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's gonna be a while before I get to that. Awesome, because it's coming out like this week. Okay. Which means it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a <laughs> bit before be a I bit. fully catch up. All right. But yeah. What What's your pace of catching up? Are you st- Are you holding steady? Or are you still gaining ground? I'm gaining some ground. Okay. Right now, anywhere between so like, last week one book came out. Yeah. The week before that, three books came out. Okay. So. If I keep with a three to four book pace, mm-hmm. I should be caught up by ish the end of the year. Cool. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Nice. And who knows what. I mean, we're we're going to like fill in yeah. with weeks and we're going to do like the grand design. Oh, That'll yeah. be a whole other week of non-reading. And then, you know, we take December off. So we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well. Absolutely. Well, man, that was fun. Yeah, good times. Good um, to see you. Good to see you. I'm and excited to see Doctor Strange with you next week. Yeah, dude. So this will be our first Marvel movie together in... I don't even know. Jeez, uh, four or five years, maybe? Three years? Is it that much? Let's see. Did I moved, you... I moved three years ago. Yeah, you moved three years ago. What was the last movie before... Was it like Ant-Man and the Wasp? Might have been Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah. Because Endgame was 2019, but it was yeah. after you moved. Yeah. Because you moved but in April. I feel like I saw Endgame with you. Might have. Yeah. 
No, I didn't move in April. I moved in July. You moved in July. So it might have been Endgame. Yeah, might have been Endgame. Because Endgame, I think, was May. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Since one of the biggest movies of the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Excited to watch some Phase 4 movies with you. Hell yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. But with that. With that. Nips. Hi, how you doing? Hope you're well. Hope you're well, man. We're gonna we're gonna put the outro music here. And, uh, we'll call Good. <laughs> I can I can pull it up right now. I, I definitely have the uh, the start of the